0: Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you guys tuning in to Austin Found. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. We're with the Austin American Statesman. And when you talk about historical things, inevitably, you're going to be talking about churches. Right. right. At the timing of this recording, as we're getting into summer 2021, I also cover a lot of cycling. And they talk about churches that were built in the 4th century. <laughs> <laughs> in Europe, yes. But for Austin, you know something that's 150 plus years old right. is, is old and iconic. And one of those is the Wesley United Methodist Church. That's correct,
1: and it could even claim to be 175 years old mm-hmm. because at first, uh, the first Methodist Church uh, had black members who worshiped in the basement of the church on Congress Avenue and the white members uh, worshiped in the sacristy. But Wesley United Methodist Church is an African American split off from the first Methodist. And at the time that I wrote the story in 2015, it was 150 years old. So it was born uh, uh, right at the end of the Civil War, right along the time of emancipation, and has a a very illustrious history. And where does this church. Exists. Currently it's in East Austin at St. Bernard Street and Hackberry. This beautiful church, buff bricks, built in 1929. And earlier versions of the church were downtown. And were, one of them was like across the street from the current First Baptist Church on Trinity there. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was a downtown church for a very long time.
0: And then, but why, this, why the
1: split-offs? Well, first of all, oh, you mean uh, uh, of the different— Because uh, it's split off into several churches, what used to be congregate there. Right. right. Well, one of the things is, is that the African-American congregations that were Methodist split into several groups, as did the Methodists. And they included the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church— and the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church. Wesley, once integration began in the 1960s in earnest, it rejoined the main Methodist Church, the United Mm. Methodist Church. And so it's part of the larger integrated Methodist denomination.
0: In your article, you also described it at one time, and this is what you were told, and uh, if you can explain this to me, before it was known for singing, Mm -hmm. it was considered a shouting church, and then later more of a silk stocking church. What do those two mean?
1: Well, if you think of a black Baptist church, they have the call and response going on and people exclaiming their affirmation of what the preacher is saying or whoever is talking and according to interviewees the wesley used to be like that and Mm -hmm. and they also used to be a place that that sang traditional gospel songs which grew out of the songs of slavery and then by the middle of the 20th century it had become a silk stocking church which means it was an upper class church. It mm. was the church of the well to do, and and it's located on Sugar Hill, which has been a well to do African American uh, neighborhood in East Austin. What a
0: great name, Sugar, Sugar, Hill. Sugar Hill. I love and, it. And we'll talk more about the future yeah. of Sugar Hill uh, in just a second. Let's elaborate a little bit more. You you spent some time talking to their music ministry director, LaMonica Lewis, about the importance of music in the church
1: absolutely it it has been part of the tradition for a very long time for a while the gospel songs uh, went out of favor there but they're coming back and more recent uh, pastors have encouraged that any kind of music i mean they're not confined to one particular genre
0: Obviously, when you think about the location and the connection today, it goes way back, the uh, a tie to Samuel Houston College. Right. When Samuel Houston College moved from Dallas to Austin,
1: it, the first place where it held classes was at Wesley when it was downtown. And they maintained re- very strong connections to, to Houston. And then when Houston uh, uh, merged with Tillotson, and became what is now Houston Tillotson University, the ties remained. And some of the major figures in Houston Tillotson history were members of Wesley's congregation.
0: What was going on at this church during the civil rights movement, which we've, It's come up. If you want to go through some of our previous episodes, we've talked about what Austin was like during that time on a couple of occasions.
1: Many of the leaders of the Civil Rights Movement were members of this church. We have uh, talked about some of them, uh, uh, the Lott family, and many, many others. So it was a place where leaders of the community gathered. So it's been a long time beacon in East Austin. And continues to be
0: and there have been many many notable members mm-hmm. that were regulars at this church I'm gonna put you on the spot <laughs>
1: <laughs> well uh, they're members of former Austin City Council member or a Houston's family William Charles Aikens the namesake for Aikens High School he was also the principal when Anderson high school moved over to the west side uh, Theodore Youngblood, who was a head waiter at the Driscoll and Stephen F. Austin Hotels, and the members of the King family, which is associated with the main uh, African-American funeral home, uh, King Tears Mortuary.
0: And at the time that you wrote this, the pastor, uh, was Sylvester E. Chase Jr., mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting how they— Serve one-year term Yeah, I didn't know that until the story. I've never heard of
1: that type of set yeah, arrangement. The, it, I should call it, it is the Methodist Church. I grew up Catholic. The Methodist Church has a lot of democracy in it. The higher ups in the church will decide who's going to be the pastor, but in consultation with the congregation, and it's not forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a priest, a pastor uh, at Saint Vincent de Paul in Houston that had gotten on in his years, and they had to forcibly remove him. He is not gonna go. I mean, it was big news, too. I mean, everybody knew what was going on, but the, the Methodists have a, a, a pretty uh, thoughtful approach to picking their leaders.
0: I thought that was very interesting, and I, I think that's, that's a great model. Yes, If you're gonna start a church, you might right. wanna look at this model. Um, <laughs> And then let's go back to sugar hill one last thing because gosh i mean even just in the last two years the mm-hmm. landscape of east austin has been under right. dramatic change you know tell me what it's like right around the church right. um and it how is that going to be affected and and members moving away a lot right. of there's a lot of african americans heading out into the burbs right um what's well, it look it, like? It, it,
1: puts a lot of stress and pressure on the churches, the legacy churches, because people want to come back to the church of their family and their youth. But if you're living in in Pflugerville or Bastrop or Cedar Park, getting there and back is tough. And people are willing to do that Sunday morning, but they don't really want to come back. Sunday evening for any, you know, whatever other
0: social or midweek Bible study
1: or or any of that stuff, that becomes a problem and and it hasn't really been solved. And that's actually true as well for uh, legacy white churches and Latino churches Mm -hmm. is how do you get those now scattered congregants back to the home church? But as for the neighborhood, there has been significant changes as close as a block away, especially on 11th Street and Rosewood. But the actual few blocks on St. Bernard that Wesley is on have been really well preserved. I expect there to be, at some point, some sort of Sugar Hill Historic District forum, just as there have been nearby with the Holy Cross District, mm-hmm. which we talked about on a, on a previous show. Because one of the smart things that Wesley did was to buy up land around them to protect that. And one of them is a bungalow that houses Six Square, which is the African American Cultural District. It's a a nonprofit that is trying to maintain not just the physical uh, culture of East Austin, but also the ways that, that people interact and so forth. So Wesley's been a leader in that area.
0: It's the the first time I've heard the Sugar Hill District referenced. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't familiar with it, and I love the name. And the, you, you made a brief mention of how some of these churches are doing some satellite efforts out to where some of their right. for, maybe former congregation is, but to mm-hmm. engage them in maybe midweek or other things like that we just right. discussed. But then they might come in on Sunday morning.
1: I'm surprised that they're not exchanges. This has always confounded me. Most churches are only being used, the main body of the church building is only being used one day a week. Mm -hmm. Why are those not being shared among the different denominations? I've never understood that. And I think if you could have something at a suburban Methodist church so that people who are part of the Wesley uh, legacy community could meet there, at other
0: times that would be ideal to me I said this on a fairly recent podcast you you're starting to pr- solve problems around <laughs> the city
1: I haven't solved anything yet <laughs> but uh, but I listen to people and I listen to what they think might work and you, share that
0: you do have a unique position now that I think but I mean you've you've talked to over your 30 plus year career you've talked to people from every walk of life on Absolutely. every part of the city most people don't do that. That's why I said I've never heard of Sugar Hill right and you you get that uh, viewpoint of I'm very much lucky everybody. I'm
1: very lucky and part of it we've talked about this before See, so you're speeding by on your bike I'm walking <laughs> 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 so I get to talk to the people along the way and hear their stories <laughs> and uh, and I get to look at places and think about them and wonder what was what happened there before and, and what was there before so.
0: Well, all that thought makes for a great podcast. Thank you very much, Michael Barnes. If people want to reach out to you, they can. mbarnes at statesman.com Or jhager, H-A-G-E-R, at statesman.com. That story was out of Volume 2, Chapter 3 of Indelible Austin. That's right. And don't
1: forget, if you're interested in broader Texas history, we have the free weekly newsletter, digital newsletter, called think texas and if you google think texas it'll come up right away and i just got back from a think texas trip and where'd you go i went to stephenville and glen rose and thurber and there are three towns within about 30 miles of each other northwest of here and picked up a lot of great historical
0: information in those places very cool so think texas well thank you everyone for tuning in to austin found happy trails